Welcome to the Hypnotoad Podcast on the Harlan College Sports Podcast Network. Andrew Zimmel back again for 2024. Took a little bit of a break. Hopefully you guys had an excellent Christmas and New Year's. No bowl game for TCU. So we're going to recap a little bit of the Big 12. What does it mean going forward with uh, some of the wins and losses? 5-4 and four in bowl games this season. What does that mean? Then we're going to talk men and women's hoops. Mention a couple of the... Uh, signees what does it mean for sunny dykes after an embarrassing year this year and more but first want to remind you to subscribe rate and review the hypnotoad podcast look 2024 it's here let's make the hypnotoad podcast the number one tcu athletic podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher amazon wherever you get your audio Subscribe, rate, and review. And plus, you can win a free Heartland College Sports koozie by leaving a rating or review on iTunes. Send it to the big boss, Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. That's Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. You give us a good review or just any review, and you get a free koozie. It's a uh, excellent, excellent deal. All right, let's talk about bowl season. No bowl game for TCU after going to the national championship last year. Now, I want to remind everybody, because we're going to talk about this in a minute, that TCU did not play in a BCS national championship last season. A lot of people forget that. A lot of people think that it was a computer that gave TCU the uh, opportunity, right? They were, they were great. They were able to grace the presence of the great Georgia Bulldogs. A lot of people forget that there was a playoff game that happened before the national championship that is why we have the playoffs right we have the semifinals and we have the championship a lot of people forget that the semifinals did in fact happen erasure of tcu playoff wins it's disgusting to see you know you suffer from it the same way i do i saw all of the talking heads the past 12 months well it was the worst national championship blowout of all time this is true well it was one of the worst playoff games of all time it's debatable, right? But now we look at the Big 12 without TCU in the Bulls, right? Five and four. I want to go through some of these. So Texas Tech beat Cal in the Independence Bowl. UCF, newcomer, lost to Georgia Tech 30-17. Kansas beat UNLV in the Guarantee Rates Bowl. We give a bowl game to everybody. Kansas beat UNLV. West Virginia beat North Carolina in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. Uh, Oklahoma State beat Texas A&M. Now, Texas A&M, for all intents and purposes, not the Texas A&M of this regular season. I'm going to support Oklahoma State because they're a Big 12 team. I will not give them a lot of credit for this win against A&M without their starting quarterback. Uh, their other quarterback gets hurt immediately, and the Aggies still were able to hold around. Kind of embarrassing for Mike Gundy. They did get the job done, though, so you can't be too mad at him. Kansas State beat NC State. Arizona uh, beat Oklahoma, which, ironically enough, uh, Arizona coming to the Big 12 next year, Oklahoma leaving the Big 12 in the Alamo Bowl. So, you know, you might almost call that a wash, right? Who really even needs Sooner if uh, Arizona's going to beat them in San Antonio? Memphis beat Iowa State in the Liberty Bowl. And then, of course, we're recording this on Tuesday uh, afternoon. Washington beat Texas in the college football semifinal in the Sugar Bowl, 37-31. to Now, Texas losing to Washington means that TCU is still the only football team from the state of Texas and the only team in the Big 12 to win a college football playoff game. Yes, 
humongous. Yes, this is a title that TCU can still continue to hold. And in fact, if you really want to piss off your uh, Sooner and Longhorn friends at your next uh, function, remind them that Oklahoma went to, what, four college football playoff games? Texas has played now in their second. Or, correction, their first. Uh, combined, they have fewer wins than uh, little old TCU, who has one, right? One and one. One win, one loss in the uh, college football playoffs. Now, the playoffs expand to 12 teams. I would like to think that with the Power Five conferences folding in on themselves, with the Big or the Pac-12 completely disbanding now, that now there are four power conferences, and uh, I guess like two important Group of Five conferences plus independent Notre Dame. You would like to think that the Big Twelve will potentially get more teams in the playoffs, right? What uh, what do we expect here? Right. That's kind of where I'm at with it. I think that TCU will be back to the mountaintop. I, I, I truly thought this year was going to be a lot different than it was. You've listened to me before. I've told you that the expectations for the season might have been unrealistically high due to the success that the Horn Frogs had the year prior. However, that is a standard of success that I think that fans should hold this program to, that we should hold Sonny Dykes and Kendall Bryles to going forward. Because now they are attached at the hip. Uh, you can't say one without the other. I, I, I tried to separate the two, but I went to a bunch of bowl games this uh, off season, or this uh, bowl season, and everywhere I went, I, I talked TCU football, right? Everywhere I went, I was kind of gauging media members and and. Uh, booster and where where they're at with uh, TCU football, and most of the time, most of the time, people were giving Sunny Dykes the benefit of the doubt. Oh, you know, no Max Duggan, he was a bunch of NFL talent. But a handful, and I would say a very vocal minority, said that it was the hiring of Kendall Bryles that uh, did in TCU. Now they got rid of the defense coordinator Joe Gillespie. They replaced replaced him um, with a talented def- defensive coordinator. So look. Going forward, we'll see what happens. But bowl season was not great for a lot of fan bases. Bowl season was not great for a lot of casual college football fans. A lot of people were pitching ideas how to make it better. The number one one, the number one idea that I saw that I really liked and can co-sign was the let's move uh, the transfer portal number or the uh, transfer portal uh, further back. Okay. Like, I understand that we want to have it when we have it, which I think is, what, the 15th or the 20th, I think the 20th of December this year. You can't do postseason and also do offseason. Kirby Smart said it the best after the annihilation of Florida State, right? That you got to find a way to make it all work. And there, there's a calendar out there that we make these bowl games, whether maybe there's fewer of them or maybe we play more of them. Uh, in a shorter time period, right? Like, I, I think that if you're playing a New Year's Six Bowl, you probably are okay with uh, staying at your school maybe for a little bit longer. But then, again, Florida State had a ton of opt-outs, and Malik Murphy left Texas. So who? what do I know? But I, I like to think that if the transfer portal date was moved back po- post-bowl season, and you might have fewer opt-outs, but the, the craziest one was let's move bowl season to the spring or let's move it to the first week of the season so we have our bowl games in late August instead of 
uh, late December. I, I think that's insane. Um, if if you've been to a lot of these bowl locations, the reason that they are so uh, good of bowl locations is because they're in the South, and in the South, right, it, it's going to be warmer than a, a team from Penn State or a team from Michigan or a team from Minnesota having to come South. Their, their fan bases are going to want to go to Boca Raton. They're going to want to go to Mobile, Alabama. They're going to want to come to San Antonio, Texas. They're not really going to want to do that when it's a billion degrees outside. So the idea to move it to the beginning of the season for, say, you're bowl eligible, and now, uh, case in point, right, let's say TCU and Michigan are having to play the semifinals of the college football playoffs, but now they're playing into the Rose Bowl. But instead of late December, New Year's Day, they're playing this uh, they're, they're playing this game like the third week of August. It just doesn't have the same feel. So that was insane. I say just move the transfer portal back a little bit, and uh, you'll be good to go. Now, National Signing Day was last week. We didn't have a podcast last week for the holidays, but I did want to mention it because I thought it was interesting that uh, the hype machine is back behind TCU. The hype machine is back behind TCU. Now, the media, man, like I, I'm a member. I get it. You you kind of pick and choose which uh, teams you might get excited for. right? Like I'm always going to be excited for TCU because of the podcast and because of my fandom. right? Like I'm always going to be excited for Horned Frog Athletics. But the national media doesn't really care as much. Sometimes they'll like check in. Sometimes they'll check out. You think about the Colorado situation this year with Dion, right? Super big name, head coach, gets every single national TV game available to them. But by like November, nobody really cares anymore, right? Like the it was a fast burning candle was the the Colorado hype, and I'm worried about TCU because I'm worried that we are getting kind of that hype again. You know, maybe we don't put the spotlight on TCU until we uh, win <laughs> some, some Big 12 games. Maybe we don't get the spotlight on us until we have a solidified quarterback position. But TCU head fo- uh, football coach Sonny Dykes announced the signing of 34 student-athletes last week. 18 of the 21 high school signees are from the state of Texas, which I absolutely love. I love that uh, Dykes and the TCU recruiting is focusing in on Texas. There's so much great talent here, and the facts are the facts that LSU, Alabama, Old Miss, Oklahoma, they all come in and they try to take talent out of the state. They all try to take talent out of the state. If TCU can put a brigade, an embargo, uh, to cut off the resources that Oklahoma has to Dallas talent, you're looking at a potential powerhouse team. That's If you look at the Texas high school football championship the state championships right they, they did the uh, the graphic on a uh, dave campbell and all of the state champions in texas this past season and i want to say like 80 percent of them were in the dallas fort worth area north texas area if tcu recruits that hotbed you're looking at a potential like i said dominating presence but the key is is not only getting the talent in the door keeping them Right, it's a huge deal, especially the transfer portal era. Keeping the talent and then also developing the talent. Step number one was done. Get them in the building. Step number two is develop. Step number three, keep them in the building. All right. TCU men's basketball, twelve and one, as they head to conference play this Saturday against the University of Kansas. And uh, boy, oh boy, they looked really good this past week against uh, Texas A&M Commerce. They played them. This past week, 77-42 win. Ernest Udu Jr. recorded his first career double-double to lead TCU. 
13 points, 18 rebounds, both career highs as uh, they led from start to finish. The Horn Frogs did 45 points late in the second half. That's how big of a lead TCU had over uh, Texas A&M Commerce. Now, the critique, if you will, of the TCU men's basketball schedule and the women's schedule to a lesser extent, but in the same vein, not a lot of premier games. Not a lot of games that you look at and you say to yourself, boy, oh boy, am I excited to get up for this one. Look, Georgetown's a good one. Clemson's a good one. Like, I'm not going to take anything away from those two uh, games. However, when you look at the Big 12 Conference, now, again, last year with Texas, last year with Oklahoma, so things are going to be a little bit shaky here as going forward, but Houston is always good. They're a top 25 team. Tech and Baylor, both solid schools. So you're looking at UCF in uh, some on and off years, have, have pretty good programs. The Big 12 Conference is really stinking good. It's the best basketball conference. ACC, that's your dad's conference, okay? The Big 12 is now the current best conference in college basketball. Isn't the ACC, isn't the Pac-12, it's the Big 12. Playing Texas A&M Commerce before playing Kansas, I understand it's a tune-up game. I understand that you want to see what you got. And it's very cool that uh, uh, Junior had a good game. But let's be honest here. Is this the type of game that's getting us tuned up for conference play? If the goal is to win a conference championship, which I'll be honest with you here, I think the TCU has the ability to, I think the men's basketball team very much has the resources and the ability to chase a conference championship. Is the Are these the type of games that are going to get you really excited? Are these the type of games that are going to get boosters really excited and fans really excited? Winning a game by 45 points is great, but winning a game against Texas A&M Commerce by 45 points it doesn't really do that much for me. I understand it's necessary to get excited. I understand that you need to get that tune-up game. But I look at this and I say, okay, nobody's hurt. You're coming into conference play at 11-2, solid record. This Kansas game, it's in Lawrence. It's not going to be a walk in the park. Kansas is, of course, a perennial basketball powerhouse. If TCU loses this game by, let's say, 10 points, that's a win in my book. Now, look, moral victories aside – the there is a very important part of this season. TCU Athletics in 2022-23 had a lot of good runs. Right? You think football, you think baseball, you think basketball. Good runs are good. But what makes great programs is sustained success. And for this men's basketball team, the bar for success is a deep conference tournament run and then, of course, a deep NCAA tournament run. I'm not asking you to win the conference this year. I'm asking you to win the conference in 2025. I, I think that's doable. Uh, women's basketball, 14-0. Undefeated as they travel to Baylor on Wednesday. Collision course between two unbeaten teams. The Big 12 bout marks the first time that TCU and Baylor will face off ranked in the top 25 and also undefeated. History in the making. Uh, TCU won the last ranked versus ranked matchup December 7th, 2008, where they beat number three California 82 to 73. The victory still stands as TCU women's basketball's highest ranked win. So that's kind of cool. Uh, TCU is the only team in the country with two players averaging 20 points per game with Madison Connor and uh, Sedora Prince, who are both averaging 22 and 21 points respectively. Now, should be noted, both those players transfers. So look, they're. Uh, Doing a good job over there 
keeping that door revolving. Now, Prince is a two-time recipient of Big 12 Player of the Week accolades. Finished with a double-double in three consecutive games. She generated a trio of double-doubles during the opening week. So she has won it for the second time. It was announced today. She averaged 24 points, 16 rebounds, and two and a half blocks uh, over the December 22 to 22nd uh, time period, right? Her 32 total rebounds is the most for any Division One player. For the week of December 18th to the 24th, she's ranked 23rd uh, and has finished non-conference play for the first time, 13-0. All good things. TC women's basketball clearly on the right side, clearly, as they continue to kind of work their way towards uh, a, a solid conference uh, record. Okay, all this is great, but you know what I'm going to say. Like, there's, there's better teams in the conference, women's basketball. But one of them took a step back, and that would be Texas. Because Tori Harmon, who is arguably top seven player in the country, if you want to make a, an all-league or an all league team, I think that she might be the starting point guard. She tore her ACL last week. She'll miss the remainder of the 2023-24 season. You never want to see any of these athletes go down. Okay, The reason we like the sport so much is when the best play the best – and you see where the dice will fall, right? Like, I'm never going to argue that uh, I, I want to face Oklahoma or Texas without their starting quarterback. I, You know, does it help? <laughs> sure. But you don't want that. You want to see the best that your opponent can give you, okay? If you're a boxer, you want to fight a guy with a broken hand, right? Same logic here for me. I don't want to see Harmon go down. I want to see Texas good. And I want TCU women's basketball to beat Texas when they're good. I don't want any excuses. I hate to see this happen. Uh, to one of the more exciting players in women's basketball because I really do enjoy the sport. I like watching the sport. And anytime that she played, it was it was a fun game to watch. That being said, this does open the uh, cracks a little bit for TC women's basketball. The same conversation we just had about men's basketball is the preseason, the pre-conference schedule really strong enough to get you excited for the regular season? Is it really exciting enough to get you excited for Big 12 conference play? 13-0 non-conference, yeah, that's great. Top 25 rank, that's great. But this is going to be the first real test is this game at Baylor. What can you expect? Now, I would say this. Similarly to TC men's basketball, where I said if it lost to Kansas by 10 or more points, or 10, 10 or fewer points would be a moral victory, right? You don't get anything for those. There's no silver medal for a moral victory. If you beat Baylor from TC Women's Basketball, and Sandora Prince has a great game, now all of a sudden we're having a different conversation. We're having conversation A, Jimmy Dixon, uh, coach of the year, not only in the Big 12, but potentially in women's basketball. Conversation number two, Sandora Prince now becomes a household name, potentially, if you beat uh, Baylor. Like, I'm not saying that it's going to go from relative unknown to, like, Sue Bird. That's not going to happen overnight. However, it would be kind of great to knock off a rival in conference. Uh, I'm going to say this. TC Women's Basketball, I do not expect them to win. I think that the perfection ends in Waco. But if they show up and have a good game, I'm going to feel a lot more confident about this team going forward so we will uh readdress we'll address that next week and uh, see how things are from there now i want to wrap this up with a very interesting very interesting note from the ad dcu's athletic director director uh jeremiah 
Donnie, uh, he had a holiday note to the fans. Okay, put it on the website. I think it went relatively under the radar. I didn't see a lot of people talking about this. But he had this uh, section on the landscape of the NCAA, talking about the transfer portal, the NIL, everything else, right? And he says, I don't have any specific update to provide other than to state the changes are coming to college athletics. While at Las Vegas for the Big 12 Conference meeting a couple weeks ago, all my league counterpoints and I were together when NCAA president Charlie Baker announced a plan for a new collegiate sports model proposing a number of dramatic changes to the current one. Quote, I applaud President Baker for starting an important conversation across membership about what our future looks like, taking initiative to that end. If you have any free time over the holidays, I would encourage you to read his remarks and review more significant lawsuits that are ongoing, such as House and Carter cases involving the NCAA and others. All right. What does this mean? You remember a couple of years ago? It's like during the pandemic slash kind of not. It was like 2021-ish. Big Ten, SEC got together and they had the alliance. They said, like, we are going to have our own NCAA. And it was before its time. People were really upset. The alliance, what does this mean? Da, 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 da. And uh, I, I thought it was really exciting because I thought this would be the end of NCAA. NCAA, not a uh, not a great organization, to say the least. Right? I think they everybody has their own qualms with uh, with the organizational body that has taken college taken over college uh, athletics. The landscape changing. I like the TCU's in the conversation because I was always concerned when they were in the Mountain West that they would be one of the teams that gets left out of these conversations. Look at SMU with Florida State. We haven't clowned enough on SMU on this podcast, period, point blank. That's on me. I'll take the blame for that. We need to make more jokes about SMU because joining the ACC, it's a no-brainer move. I think all of us would agree SMU joining the ACC is a good move uh, for that program. For that program, But for Florida State to sue and be like, oh, they didn't even, the Big 12 didn't even want them. Why do we want them? Is hilarious. It's great. I love it. I like the TCU's in the middle of this. I think that there is a world where the Big 12 comes out on top right now at five and four in bowl games to circle back. You're not on a power conference. You're not the Big Ten. You're not the SEC. But with Colorado coming in, we'll like to see. I'd like to see what Dion does in year number two. Sonny Dykes having a bounce back season. West Virginia upset a lot of people this year. I think they surprised some people. Houston, ton of money, ton of resources. I'd like to see what that program can turn into. There is a world where, as we go into 2024, that the Big 12 sneaks into the conversation of a Power 3. ACC's falling apart. Florida State leaves. Miami's going to follow. Clemson's going to fall. Okay? If we go from a Power 5 in 2022 to a power four in 2024, to maybe a power three by 2026. I like that the Big 12 is positioning themselves in a way that when all of these other things are moving, TV contracts are moving, transfer portals moving, NIL is moving, all of these different moving things, all these pieces that the Big 12 is positioning themselves, the TC is positioning themselves in a conference that could end up on top when the chips fall. I just thought that was really interesting. I thought that the conversation being had in Las Vegas is also interesting when you talk about the gambling aspect of it, right? Like what would mean what would it mean if the Big 12 partnered with FanDuel or partnered with uh DraftKings? 
Would that mean more money, potentially, if they became the official gambling sponsor of the Big 12? Would that mean more money to its partners? And could that mean the TCU, who's already making money hand over fist through endowment and everything else, could that mean the TCU now has a step ahead of maybe their in-state counterparts in the SEC, Texas and Texas A&M? I don't know. But we'll see. Uh, time will tell. That's going to do it for the Hypnotoad Podcast. I want to thank you guys for tuning in and listening. First episode of 2024, and we're back and better than ever. Remember, subscribe, rate, review the podcast wherever you get your Hypnotoad. And uh, I will be back again next week, hopefully talking about more men's and women's basketball and, of course, the transfer portal and all things else, uh, TCU. We'll see you then.